not turn away from it to the right or to the left so that you may have, the, have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What words jump out at you there? Be strong and courageous. He says this three separate times. Hello and welcome again to Grace Maryville Weekly, a ministry of Grace Community Church located in downtown Maryville, Tennessee. Over the past few weeks, Pastor Chris has been teaching through the Psalms to provide us some encouragement during the pandemic in which we now face. We're now going to shift to a series of messages called Topics for Tough Times that Pastor Chris has presented over the past couple Wednesday nights at Grace Community Church. On normal Wednesday nights, Pastor Chris, along with a couple other men, teach our youth expositionally the same way you will hear from the pulpit. However, during these times, Pastor Chris, as well as our elders, considered it wise to provide some messages for our entire congregation. We will start by looking at the topic of courage. If you would, please turn your Bibles to Joshua chapter 1. guys would open to Joshua, Joshua chapter 1. I'm going to read some very familiar verses to us, verses you've probably heard over and over again, and yet they really express a concept, that of courage, which really is is largely forgotten today, or at least a a biblical understanding of what courage is, and maybe even we've lost a little bit of our our grasp on how it is that we exhibit courage. How do we we take hold of it? How How do we build it? How do we exercise courage in a world that certainly has many dangers, many things to fear? And maybe that's even been brought home more to us in a time when kind of our first world has been shaken in ways that many people for many years have been facing that we haven't yet had to. So Joshua chapter 1, I'm going to begin in verse 1. You, you know the context. Moses has just died. God has taken Moses up onto the mountain. He was not able to enter into the promised land because of, of a failure of leadership to honor God before the people, to demonstrate God is holy. So Moses, the great leader of Israel, the one who led them out of Egypt under the mighty hand of God and then led them through the wilderness and was with them for all of the amazing and miraculous things that God did during that time. Moses is now dead, and the leadership has been handed over to Joshua. Now, Joshua has been with Moses for quite some time. He's not exactly untested, and yet Joshua now has to take on this two million people, and, and he's, he's supposed to lead them across the Jordan River and into a land full of nothing but enemies. Everywhere he goes, every place he sets his foot in that land, he will face those who hate the God of Israel, who hate and fear the Israelites, and whose sin is rampant, is, is an evil that just spreads all over the land. And so God tells Moses this. Now it came about, verse 1 of Joshua 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving you to the sons of of giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, as far as the great sea towards the setting of the sun will be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. 
I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn away from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have, the, have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Well, what, word, what words jump out at you there? Be strong and courageous. He says this three separate times. He tells Joshua, this is essentially, this is going to be a difficult task. You are going to have to exercise the strength that I give you. You're going to have to have courage, the ability to stand against those difficulties and face them without flinching, without turning and running. And all of this because I'm with you. The promise of the Lord is given, but the land is not yet taken. And the difference between the promise of the land and the taking of the land is the faithfulness of Joshua to obey the word and to exercise courage against the fearful difficulties that he will face. The reason that God tells Joshua to be courageous is that if Joshua, as the leader, lacks courage, the people will not take the land. He's promised them they'll have it if and as Joshua exercises courage. I've had the privilege over many years to teach people how to rock climb. And one of the most fearful things in rock climbing is rappelling. Even if you're a professional rock climber, the most dangerous thing you'll probably ever do is rappel because all of your weight is placed upon one anchor, one rope, and you're going to lean all of your weight back and you're going to move your way down. Now, when you're climbing, generally, if you're going up, you place multiple points of protection so that if you fall, you've got two or three points that could protect you. When you're rappelling, it's one and done. If that thing fails, you're finished. And so as you teach people how to rappel, you don't explain all of that to them necessarily, but as you teach them, they come and you're looking them in the face, right? They're most of them brand new. They've never done it before. They see this rope going over this cliff and they have to back towards that chasm knowing that if the rope fails or something fails, they could fall to their death. So there's a, there's a fear of something very real, the fear of death. Usually the cliff is easily high enough for someone to fall and die. So you're encouraging them. It's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. You want them to look at you. You're telling them you can trust the rope. You're giving them instructions as they go. But there's a very real fear that in one sense they ought to have. Yet if they're going to accomplish this thing, this repelling, if they're going to get to the bottom safely, they're going to have to exercise courage. They're going to have to trust in the face of a very real threat. And not only trusting the rope and trusting the anchor, really, it's not so much the rope. The rope is probably not going to break. It's the anchor that the rope is, is tied to, trusting that. But they also have to obey the instructions because if they back off, even if the rope doesn't break and the anchor holds, if they let go, they go to the bottom. And the rope probably will not hold them or wouldn't slow them enough uh, to keep them from being seriously harmed. So they have to trust and they also have to obey. And they have to exercise a certain amount of skill in holding the rope properly. And you tell them, you take your right hand and you clamp it against your right leg and you guide with your left hand. You don't hold on with it. All the things you tell them. Now, all of this is going usually pretty well until they get right to the edge and they have to actually commit totally their weight to the rope and back over out of your grasp backing over the chasm, and they're entirely then hanging on the rope, and really, in one sense, trusting to their expertise now. They're out of your control. 
And it's usually at that point when they're backing over where they'll start to go and they'll stop and they'll reach forward and they'll kind of bend in the middle and grab, <laughs> grab hold of the rope and then they can't go anywhere. So at that point, I have to take and encourage them and sometimes gently unclamp their hands, help them replace it, and they go and they, and they, proceed, and they proceed down. Now, for, for the most part, rappelling is, is relatively safe, and I haven't had too much trouble doing that. But there was one particular time I was teaching a group, and we were, we were out at a, at a state park somewhere, and we were, we were pretty high up, and the place where we were rappelling from was a little bit difficult to access. You had to do actually a little bit of climbing. So we had some ropes that were set up, and the kids would climb up, and then they would rappel down. Now, I, I, this was the first couple times I had not run rock climbing camps before this. So it was, it was my first time running entire, an entire camp with a variety of people, particularly young people, who had no experience at all. So I had, I had a girl who was going over. She was rappelling down. She had long, flowing hair, and she had it in a ponytail. Uh, and I didn't think much of it. So she hops on the rope, and she is backing down. She made it. Oh, you know, It was her first time. She made it past the scare point, and she was going down and doing pretty well. And I'm watching her go down, and all of a sudden, I notice that the tip of her ponytail has gotten caught in the rappel ring. And I'm watching this going, and it's, it's never happened before. I'm thinking, I wonder... Well, and I wonder what's going to happen here. So I, I told her this time, I said, go ahead, and, go ahead and pull the hair out of, the, out of that rappel ring. Well, she went to try to pull the hair out of the rappel ring. One, she's trying to do that, and she's supposed to be holding on with her hand. So she starts to let go, and I'm like, no, you have to pull with your left hand. So she tries to do that, and she can't get it out. Well, as she did that, she let go with the right hand a little bit, which meant that her weight jerked down on the rope. And so a lot of her hair now was stuck in the rappel ring, which is in front of her, and it sucked it right up to her head. So she's there with a large amount of her ponytail, her blonde golden ponytail, stuck in this rappel ring, which is now up at her head. She's trying to hold on, but more ever increasingly, it's slipping, and all of the weight is being transferred to her hair. And her entire body is beginning to hang off the hair on her head. And I'm looking at that going, I, I don't have any idea what to do. And I had not plan for this eventuality. I should have. Uh, it's, I, I found out later, it's fairly common. So I'm trying to, in the moment, figure out how do I do this? And I'm trying to overcome my own sense of panic and trying to figure out, well, how, what do I do? Well, I was able to get another rope going. I put another rope on another anchor and I rappelled down beside her. I think, all right, I'll just rappel down beside her and I'll, I'll just undo her hair out of the rope. Well, there's only one problem with that. As I got down, and I was right beside her. One, I'm still trying to hold on myself to the rope so that I don't slip down. And she is, I, I rappelled down just about equal with her. And I realized that there was no way I was going to get her hair out of there unless I could get her weight up off the rope long enough for her to pull her hair out while still holding on so that she didn't fall. What this meant was that I had to, with one arm, literally, and, and with and almost equal with her, I had to grab her and try to lift her up above my head while still holding on and not slipping down any further myself. You know, you can imagine that at that point I'm thinking, if this doesn't work and I go down, now I can probably protect myself, but if she falls and it yanks on her hair, it may very well pull that hair out and she goes to the bottom. So it's one of those moments where your, your adrenaline is pumping, there is a real fear there that I could actually, it wouldn't be my own life, but I would be losing somebody else's life, some parent's child's life. And that was a very serious thing. And, and at that point, just overcoming that fear, trying to figure out how to make the best decision. And by the Lord's grace, I was actually able to lift her up enough. And, and I had presence of mind to, I took a carabiner, I, I put it up above me, and I was able to clip her into the carabiner above me so that I kept her weight off her hair, that I could then help her get it off. She got back on and she could rappel down. 
all of this, for which I was very thankful for the Lord's grace and help. She gets down. Everybody is, you know, watching this whole thing. It took about 20 minutes. We all get down. She about passes out. I about pass out, right? And I, I re- learned a couple of things. Always be prepared, even for the things you might not be aware of. But also, I don't know that I've been gripped with fear quite like that. Again, not really for myself, but for someone else's life. And I felt kind of the paralyzing nature of what happens when you don't know if your actions will actually succeed and someone might pay the price for that. Well, certainly in the spiritual realm, there is much that we do that other people's lives depend upon. There are dangers that we face, very difficult things that have real spiritual eternal outcomes. Not the physical courage necessarily of a rock climbing or or doing some physical event, but things that truly are dangerous, sometimes actually physically dangerous, but things that have eternal consequences and certainly even temporal consequences that could be very difficult. And we are in need of people today who will live with courage, who will be able to overcome fear, to press on to accomplish the work that God has given to do. And we of all people should have courage because we serve a faithful, powerful, loving, and holy God who will never leave us or forsake us. And it is not necessarily, again, that that God promises some physical courage for climbing Mount Everest or other things, but he does promise that he will provide for us the strength and the courage necessary to overcome any obstacle, any fear which might come upon us because he is the powerful, awesome, and loving God. And so what we'll see this evening is that courage is an essential character quality of the believer, which enables them to effectively accomplish the work of God in the midst of the continual dangers and difficulties of the Christian life. This is a dangerous world spiritually. It is also dangerous physically. And even now, as we look around us, we get a a little feel for how dangerous even things that are invisible can be. Things like viruses, bacteria, sicknesses, maybe that we've been aware of before. We can't even see this thing and it could kill us. And were it just a little bit more deadly, it would have killed many more people. As deadly as it is, it has killed many people already. So even physically, it's a very dangerous world, but behind all of that, there's a much more dangerous aspect to the spiritual world we live in. So again, courage is an essential character quality of the believer, which enables them to effectively accomplish the work of God in the midst of the continual dangers and difficulties of the Christian life, and they are continual. Courage essentially channels a passion for God's glory into effective action in the face of dangerous opposition. I'll say that again. Courage channels a passion for God's glory into effective action in the face of dangerous opposition. We are surrounded by danger, and therefore we have need at all times for courage, which really is kind of this forgotten virtue. And Scripture really has much to say about it, much more than simply the book of Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, that we often quote, be strong and courageous. So let's begin by defining courage, a biblical definition. There's lots of various definitions of it, but I want to define it from, this is really a theological definition. Having studied the verses on courage and fear and strength, there's looked at about 100 to 150 verses that cover this topic pretty generally in Scripture. So a definition, the the best I could come up with at this point, kind of a working definition, I'll call it, uh, is that Scripture or, or courage is spiritual confidence, due to trusting in the Lord and taking hold of his strength, to venture into, persevere in, and triumph over danger, difficulty, or fear. 
courage, is a spiritual confidence. Again, not a, not a, not a, a machismo that says, I can overcome this, not a physical confidence in your own abilities, not simply even a moral conviction. It is a spiritual confidence that it is, it is generated by the Spirit of God. It is something that comes through the principles of the Word of God being enacted in the life of a believer. That's what we mean when we say spiritual. A spiritual confidence due to trusting in the Lord and taking hold of His strength to venture into, persevere in, and triumph over danger, difficulty, and fear. Now, there's not a ton of usages of the word courage. It's really two main Hebrew words in the Old Testament. There's probably, uh, there's about 32 references in the Old Testament. And then there's really one set of Greek words, verb and, and verb, verb and noun forms, that are used in the New Testament, 15 or 16 of those. Yet, the synonyms for this are everywhere in Scripture. That is, the concept of courage is not only bound up in the word courage itself. So just looking at those words isn't going to give you the full understanding of it. Some of the synonyms are, and you might write these down, so that as you're looking into Scripture, you'll know that this also, courage is included in these words. Right? Words like, phrases like, not losing heart. Scripture talks about that a lot. Don't lose heart. That is, your inner man, your mind, your will, your affections become, you, you get discouraged, you lose strength of inner, of, of inner ability. And so you get discouraged or depressed, you lose heart. And when you lose heart, you lose courage. It's most often used as kind of a synonym. If you're losing heart, you no longer have courage. And the Bible continually says, don't lose heart, which is another way of saying, have courage. Everywhere in Scripture, so many references also to not fearing, do not fear. Really, in many ways, the opposite of courage is fear. I am fearful or I am courageous. I am overcoming fear or I'm giving into it. So when you are seeing passages in Scripture that say, don't fear, do not fear, trust in the Lord, well, that's the same as saying, have courage, put away your fear, continue to operate in the midst of the fearful feelings. Being bold is another Synonym, a synonymous term, to be bold. The righteous is as bold as a lion. We'll look at that scripture. And then uh, another aspect of, of, of courage, and that is most often used along with it, is the concept of being strong, exercising strength. That's not just physical strength or, or even just a, a spiritual ability. It has to do with having enough strength to overcome the difficulties you face. And about 15 times, 16 times in the Old Testament where courage is used, be strong precedes it. Be strong and very courageous. So for the exercise of courage, strength is needed. Essentially to say be strong is to say exercise your strength to overcome fear. Exercise your strength to overcome difficulty. It's not just go to the gym and exercise because you can. It is you have to exercise these things because there are dangers and difficulties to overcome. Scripture is eminently practical. Right? Scripture isn't about hypothetical situations or strengthening yourself like we do, again, at the gym for no purpose at all, right? Maybe for some, you know, for uh, you know, some physical fitness. But a lot of times, all those muscles, all those things that people have to be strong, they're never used for anything particularly profitable. But when Scripture tells us to be strong, to exercise our spiritual muscles, it is always because there are dangers and difficulties that need to be overcome. And without that strength, we will not be able to exercise so let's look at then some of the pieces of this definition before we, we're going to look at some characters who were, had courage and then talk about how we exercised courage. Maybe the, the best New Testament verse for the Old Testament concept of courage is John 16, 
Jesus says, right, right before he's about to leave in the Last Supper, he's going to leave his disciples and he's going to go to the cross and die and be buried to rise again and then to ascend back to be with his father. And he says, these things I've spoken to you because he, he, he tells them, I'm going to die. I'm going to leave you. These things I've spoken to you so that you may have peace. Talking about how he was going to send the Holy Spirit and how he's going to continue to be with them. These things I've spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. Saying, look, I'm leaving. I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit, but I'm not taking you out of the world. Things are going to be incredibly difficult, and they were, certainly for the disciples and down throughout the ages. As we've said before, if we think this crisis, this particular time in history is the worst thing that's ever happened, I mean, we're not even close. Things have been happening down throughout history that are incredibly difficult, and certainly thousands, millions of people have gone unto death in great difficulty. And Jesus alludes to this. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take courage. You're going to need it. You're going to have to exercise courage. Why? Because I've overcome the world. So be strong, knowing that I'm with you. Exercise that courage so that you can accomplish the work that I've left you to do. So working through the pieces of the definition, the first part is to have a spiritual confidence. Spiritual courage is produced in the heart. Right? It's, not a, it's not a courage, again, of, of leaping off a high mountain or putting on a wingsuit and you know, flying down off the Alps. Right? It's, a, it's produced in the heart, the mind, the will, and the affections and the conscience by the Spirit of God using the Word of God to bring us confidence in God. That's a spiritual courage, a spiritual confidence. That is the Spirit of God using the Word of God to bring us confidence in God. That means that we are convinced we believe that God will care for us, provide for us, and empower us to accomplish his work. That's spiritual confidence. The Spirit provides it. And please understand again that nothing that the Spirit of God does just gets infused directly into our heart. He does that through the principles of the Word of God. His presence is there that it might illumine the Word of God to us and then use those principles to strengthen our inner man. See, the Spirit is not, doesn't shove us aside and be strong for us. He enables our spirit. He joins with our spirit to strengthen it through the principles of the word of God. A spiritual confidence in our inner man, mind, will, and affection. And it is always tied to the word of God. Joshua 1.7 that we just read. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Don't turn to the right or turn to the left. Turn to the left. We'll study that more in just a minute. Spiritual confidence. The spirit using the word to enable our faith to trust that God will strengthen us, be with us, and enable us to make it through danger. Spiritual confidence. It is due to trusting in the Lord. It comes from an active trust that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he will do. Faith. To have courage, you must have faith. You must trust God and what he said. Psalm 31, 24. Be strong. And let, notice, be strong. And let your heart take courage, all you who hope in the Lord. You trust in the Lord that he's going to come, that he's going to complete his promises, that he's going to be faithful to what he has said. Psalm 27, 14, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. That idea of waiting is trusting the Lord as you look to see what he will do in any given circumstance. It's not passive. Well, I hope God will do something. It's an active work in the heart to trust God in the midst of a circumstance that isn't finished yet. Wait for the Lord. Trust in him. 
Psalm 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? The courage is the spiritual confidence that's due to trusting in the Lord and taking hold of his strength. See, there's no courage apart from strength. You need the necessary strength to overcome the obstacle. And if you know you don't have it, there is every reason to fear. If the rope is not going to hold and you know that, don't back over the cliff. If the anchor is not sufficient to hold someone's weight, you'd better not use it to try to repel. If you aren't strong enough to hold on to the rope as you rappel down, then no amount of bravado is going to overcome the fact that you are going to go right to the bottom. There has to be strength. And that strength comes from the Lord. We are to take hold of his strength, Ephesians 6.10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, put on the full armor of God so that you may, able, may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. So it's a spiritual confidence that's due to trusting in the Lord. I believe that he will do what he has said, taking hold of his strength. I don't have the strength, but he does. And I need to use the scriptural principles I've been given to take hold of the strength that he provides. And then this strength is used, this courage is used to venture into. That's a, it's an older word, but to venture just means to set forth, to go out on an adventure, to get, out of, get off the couch, get out of your house, Okay? Not, not to be afraid of the things that are happening and to move forward. Courage is essentially all about stepping forward, not retreating, not being apathetic and doing nothing. Courage is about action. And so it is to venture into. We have this strength so that we can proceed on to the work that God has given us to do. It's the, it's the opposite of retreat or apathy. Paul demonstrates this in 1 Thessalonians 2.2. He says this, after we had already suffered and been mistreated in Philippi. So he went to Philippi. You remember the story there. They started the church. Then he got in trouble because he cast a demon out of a, out of a, a slave girl who was predicting the future. So then they throw them into prison, beat Paul and Silas, beat them up, throw them into prison, stick them in the stocks. He gets a miraculous deliverance by the Lord's grace. And then he moves on to the next city. He said, look, we've been suffered and been mistreated in Philippi. We've been beaten and harmed. We had the boldness in our God to speak to you the gospel of God amid much opposition. He could have said, look, enough. Paul said, I'm tired of getting beat up. I know this is going to happen the next place I go because nothing is different. I'm going to go proclaim the gospel. There are Jews there that are going to hate me. There are people there whose commerce and whose lives I'm going to interrupt because I'm preaching the gospel. They're going, they're going to beat me up again. I'm done. But courage says what? I'm going to venture forward into that difficulty, even in light of the danger and difficulty, the hard things that just happened to me. He said, we had the boldness in our God to speak to you, to enter into Thessalonica, even though they knew things were going to be difficult. So the spiritual confidence on, on the basis of trusting in the Lord, taking hold of his strength to venture into, but then to persevere. And see, courage isn't just getting into a difficult situation. I could have repelled down discovered that I was going to have a hard time lifting the girl up and said, I'm out of here, rappelled to the bottom and took off. Well, I had enough courage to rappel down, but then I didn't have enough courage to stick in the situation. So true courage doesn't just enter you into difficult situations. True courage enables you to persevere. It's an incredibly important part of this definition. One who is truly courageous, not only just jumps into hard things, but when they realize how hard that thing is actually going to be, 
The courage remains and they stay in it because very few of us understood how difficult Christianity would actually be. Very few of us had any kind of concept for what it would be like to face the difficulties that we have as believers. It's a little bit like I say in my premarital counseling as I'm encouraging my young couples, you know, you're, I, I know you're loving each other and you love this period of time of engagement and it's all pretty fun and, and yet pretty soon you're going to be living together as sinners in a sinful world and you're going to find that this is pretty hard. You're going to have to have the commitment to stick it out. It's not so hard to enter into marriage, perhaps. It's a whole lot harder to stick it through. Well, courage works the same way. Sometimes the initial courage to start into something difficult is not so hard. Staying in it, when you realize, oh my goodness, this is so much harder than I thought. This is more dangerous than I thought. The stakes here are a whole lot higher than I thought they were, but I'm not going to give up. So to venture into, to persevere in. 2 Corinthians 4.12. Paul speaks of this incredibly difficult circumstance he was going through, just getting ravaged by false teachers and, and people were, were dragging his character through the mud and the people in Corinth were hating him and, and casting insults at him and turning away from his teaching and he was being beaten and persecuted from place to place. He says in 2 Corinthians 4.12, so death works in us. That's how bad it was. He felt like he was just dying all the time, but life in you. But having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke, we also believe. Therefore we also speak, knowing that he who raised Jesus from the dead will raise us also. See, no matter how bad things get, I know that the resurrection power of Jesus will strengthen me and will ultimately raise me up. He says, these things are for your sakes, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. And, and these key words, therefore we do not lose heart. We don't lose courage. It got more difficult than we could have ever imagined. We feel like we're dying all the time. We're being harmed with the dregs of society, he says, as, as these apostles. He says, we don't lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, I don't think he's so much talking about simply just the, you know, that he's getting older. He's talking about he's being beaten up. His body literally had on it on himself the brand marks of Jesus that is suffering for Christ. His body is decomposing because of all the difficulties that he's going through. He says, though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. We have the courage by God's grace to not only venture into, to start the journey, but the courage to finish it. And really, that's the, the last piece of the, or of this part of the definition, to venture into, to persevere in, and to triumph over. You see, courage, true courage, will enable us to continue to step forward and persevere until the work is done, and we see victory in the name of the Lord. That's the, that's the beauty of courage, because God always wins. In the end, he always wins, and by his grace, as we exercise courage, we make it through to the end with him, and we see the victory. But without courage, we don't see the victory. We bail out too soon. And you may have found it in your life. You started something strongly, and then you got afraid for whatever reason. It was too hard. It got too difficult. You didn't want to put in the work, and you bailed out, and you don't see the blessings and benefits. Now, the beauty of being a Christian is that he will always help you persevere. He will always strengthen you unto at least enough courage to make it through to the end. But to the extent that we exercise this and grow in it, we see even greater victories as we pursue courage. Thank you for joining us again on Grace Maryville Weekly. 
These messages are just a small collection of sermons that have been presented at Grace Community Church in Maryville, Tennessee. If you would like to learn more about Grace Community Church, where Pastor Chris serves as an elder and pastor, please visit us online at gracemaryville.org. Again, that's gracemaryville.org. There, not only will you be able to find out more about the many ministries at Grace Community Church, but you will also be able to access a full audio archive of messages, not only presented by Presta Chris, but also messages presented to our women's ministry, our youth ministry, and our college-age ministry. We invite you to join us online, and we hope that you will join us on Friday as Pastor Chris concludes this message.